The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Hello, my friends. How are you? Welcome to this edition of The Financial Physician, where we get together Wednesday afternoon to talk about money, markets, and politics, and if you listen live and you want to be part of the program, we'll take your any question on any money matter. 866-472-5790 is the call number. And let's start off talking about markets, specifically the stock market, which has been having in a very rough year. 2014 has not been kind to world stock markets in general. And we've seen major declines. And there's a lot of fear in the market that uh, the worst may still be ahead for us. Uh, let's sort of talking about uh, the U.S. market. Uh, this past Monday, just a couple days ago, the Dow fell uh, another 326 points. And overall, the Dow has fallen over 1,000 points uh, so far this year and uh, down about 7%. And that's, that's a huge drop. Now, now, granted, 2013 was a wonderful year for stock investors. You know, markets were up close to, to 30%. But as I said many times on this program, virtually weekly, that the move in the market was not real. That the move, move in the market was based on the Fed printing $85 billion a month. And I said it was very hard to reconcile uh, record high stock prices with record high poverty in our country. Record high food stamp recipients, record high people on disability, more and more people moving into Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, that you can't justify a rising stock market without a rising economy. And all the economic numbers were looking okay uh, for most of 2013. They weren't spectacular. They weren't even good. They were okay. And now we're starting to see that reverse itself, and we're starting to see economic numbers starting to deteriorate, and with them, the markets. And very, te- very important technical levels have been breached in stock markets around the world. In, uh, in the United States, uh, the Dow dropped below its 200-day moving average, and that's very significant. Markets have 
market, markets are tracked on moving averages. You can look over the last 50 days, what's the average? And you want to look at that line on a chart. If it's rising, that's great. And that means stock prices are going up. But when the stock market starts to go down and the chart of the index intersects and, uh, and declines below a moving average, it's negative. Now, it could be short-term negative. If, if it crosses a 50-day moving average, that's not a long time. 50 days it's 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 less than two months that just means you can have short term you know look you know down move in the market more more often than not but when you start crossing long-term moving averages that's a very bad sign for the market going forward not only short term but long term and that's what the u.s stock market has done over the last few days it has broken the 200 day moving average a couple of weeks ago, across the 50-day moving average, and I said that that was the first sign of weakness coming in the market, and the 200-day moving average uh, was was very important. And the the market right now is is not far below the 200-day moving average, and can reclaim it if there's a bounce later this week, and we're above the 200-day moving average. Maybe it will not be as ominous uh, as it looks today. So we had a uh, 326-point drop on Monday. Uh, Tuesday, there was, I think, a 90-point uh, rebound. Today, Wednesday, uh, the market uh, opened up about 30 points and then reversed hard, was down as much as 100 points this morning, and then gradually worked its way back to unchanged. And the market was virtually unchanged uh, today, Wednesday. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple updates here. That doesn't nullify what's going on. I mean, there is much, much trouble ahead. And, 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 and global financial markets are starting to become extremely unstable. It's not just the U.S. market. Everything's interchangeable. Everything interacts together and is affected by each other. It's a global economy, and these are global markets. Still, major currencies all over South America continue to collapse. Argentina has a major currency problem, an inflation problem right now. Uh, Venezuela, they're devaluing the scarcity of goods in the country. And again, that comes from central management, socialist societies. This is what happens there. And last week, more than $6 billion uh, were pulled out of um, emerging market mutual funds. And emerging markets have been the rage. What are emerging markets? Emerging markets are not third world economies. It's a second world economies that are raising up. Brazil is a great example of of the emerging market. Their economy has been doing well until recently. China, an emerging economy, was third world no longer. Okay, but they've grown too fast. There's been too much bank lending. Uh, there's been bubbles blown up in China, and is big concern that China is going to have some big problems, and especially if the rest of the world slows down. Let's face it, you know, China produces a lot of the goods for the entire world because they're cheap. Go into a Walmart, look at how many goods they made in China there. There's a reason why they're made in China. Because they basically use slave labor and pay them nothing. And that's where all our manufacturing jobs have gone. So uh, if Europe, if United States and South America slow down their spending, it severely hurts the Chinese economy. And everything that's been inflated in the Chinese economy, housing and all these developments that they've done there, uh, will collapse. 
Now, last week we saw massive central bank intervention um, to slow the collapse of the, the, the currency in Turkey. And they raised interest rates from 7% to uh, uh, 12%. And that did nothing. Did nothing to slow the decline of the currency. We have trouble there. Um, last month, new manufacturing jobs. I shouldn't say manufacturing. New manufacturing orders um, declined at the fastest pace since 1980. 30-something years we haven't seen a decline. And that's really, I think, what caused the 326-point uh, decline on Monday in doubt. Real disposable income in the United States has just experienced the largest year-over-year drop that we've seen since 1974. I mean, we're going back 30, 40 years here. I mean, this is serious stuff. Other problems we have, uh, U.S. Treasury Secretary Jack Lew, he um, warned that the federal government could hit the debt ceiling by the end of this month. If Congress doesn't act to lift it, and they will. There's going to be all kinds of wrangling and stuff. I just read before I got on the program that Bain is ready to cave and just raise the debt ceiling with no strings attached, no budgetary cuts, nothing. But let me tell you, if there is wrangling over that and there is a doubt whether or not it's going to be extended, uh, that would only add to the turmoil in financial markets. Here's something I watch uh, closely, which most people have no idea what it is. It's called the Baltic Dry Index. What is it? Well, it's an index of the cost of shipping. Now, you see those container ships where products go all around the world, trade. Well, the cost of shipping depends on demand. And if there's not that much demand, the price goes down to move those products. Well, the Baltic Dry Index is now down 50% from its December highs. We're talking about a little over a month ago. 50% 50% the prices have dropped. That does not portend well for the economy going forward. And again, not just the U.S. economy, uh, but the world economy. Now let's talk about Japan. Japan is having one of the worst experiences with their stock market. Uh, yesterday, Tuesday, the Nikkei fell more than 610 points. And if that sounds like a lot, it is. I mean, that, that's a lot. That's a significant percentage decline. I think it was something like 6% of decline in one day. And the biggest one-day point decline here in the United States was 777 points. And our indexes are pretty pretty close as far as how, the value of them. So it's, it's pretty relative. So something really bad is happening in Japan. Now, the Dow's down about 1,000 points since it's high in December. But the Nikkei is down 23 points since December. That's down over 14% from its peak in December. And it had a great year last year. And many analysts believe this is just the beginning of something worse than a correction. And what happened uh, to the Nikkei on Tuesday was really breathtaking. I mean, it, was, it was a big, big decline. And Bloomberg described the carnage this way. At the end of January 2013, Japanese stocks trailed only Portugal for the biggest rally among developed markets. Now the Nikkei 225 stock average is leading declines, slumping 8.5% last month 
and today capping a 14% drop from its December 30th peak. I just realized, I mean, December 30th, we're talking a month and a week. We, you know, we we're talking five weeks here. Losses snowballed in Tokyo during a global retreat that has erased $2.9 trillion from equity values worldwide this year amid signs of slow growth in China and stimulus cuts by the Federal Reserve. And a lot of this is being pushed on the Federal Reserve with their tapering. Some people say it's the worst possible time for the Federal Reserve to taper their stimulus. And the Fed created uh, this bubble by pumping these trillions of fresh dollars into the global financial system. And now they're popping the bubble by saying they're going to start tapering it back. And um, and I warned you back in Jan- June when they were starting to talk about tapering. I said they can't do it. If they do it, the economy's going to collapse. And not only here, but worldwide. RBS, you know, one of the big banks in Europe, they're warning that a market bloodbath is going to happen if the Federal Reserve doesn't stop tapering. So the Fed never fixed a crisis with this tapering. They just kicked the can down the street, printed tons of money, and it's done nothing. And stuff to inflate the stock market and stock markets around the world, but never really improve the economies. So what happens next? Well, I think we're going to see worse carnage ahead. Now, we can see a week where they rebound or whatever, but I think serious damage has been done to the bull market and that um, – we will see uh, significant declines here. Now, one of the most sobering responses to all this is uh, Richard Russell. Richard Russell has been writing newsletters for for 60 years. And he's known as the dean of financial markets, the, the dean of newsletter writers. And the guy has been spot on for many, many years. And what he has to say about what's going to happen will give chills, give you chills up your spine. I know because it did for me. And on the other side of the break, I'm going to read to you part of his letter that he just uh, just put out just recently. So we'll take a short break. 866-472-5790 is our phone number. You're listening to The Financial Position. I'm Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to The Financial Physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5790. That's toll free. 1-866-472-5790. Once again, here's Lou. Now we're talking about uh, markets and the breakdown of equity markets worldwide, uh, especially in emerging markets, but also right here in the United States, which has seen uh, the Dow lose over a thousand points from its high in a relatively short amount of time, and we're seeing tremendous volatility in that. We're seeing we're seeing three hundred point down days, two hundred point down days, huge swings intraday, and the markets are starting to get a little shaky. And very important. Technical levels have been breached uh, to the downside, which, you know, portends a very, very, very scary market going forward. And I said this was coming for months. I said, I don't know when. You never know how long manipulations last and printed money could pop, you know, bring bubbles up higher and higher and higher. But sooner or later, they get pricked. And many people are coming out now and saying, hey, wait a second, you know, this is pretty dangerous stuff. And one guy who has been writing about financial issues for 60 years, Richard Russell, um, has never been, quote, so filled with foreboding regarding what lies ahead. And this is a guy that's been around the block and has been right many, many times. And this is what he said. Uh, this is just an excerpt from a, a recent uh, letter he put out. I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't worried about the way things are going. Frankly, I'm truly scared for myself, my family, and the nation. I have the sinking feeling that the stock market is on the edge of a crash. If that happens, investor sentiment will turn quickly bearish, and the bear market will start feeding on itself. Ironically, the recent action occurred in the face of almost insane bullishness on the part of the crowd and part of the investors. Obviously, smart heads and institutional money managers know that the U.S. is semi-dead in the water. And all the talk about an improving economy is just wishes and hopes. Bernanke's dream of flourishing of the flourishing new economy, improving without the need of the Fed's help, is an idle dream. Continuing, he writes, I've been writing about the stock market for over 60 years, and I can't remember a time when I was so filled with foreboding regarding what lies ahead. The primary trend of the market, like the tide of the ocean, is irresistible and waits for no man. What scares me the most in this current situation is that I see no clear island of safety. So that's very, very, very disturbing remarks from a guy who's just not going to go out there and um, and just say things like that. And, you know, he's been bearish before in the past, and he's been right. But I'm just saying is that I've never read him to be so scared about what's happening. And, you know, the market's better hope that uh, the Federal Reserve decides to intervene and reverse the tapering. Uh, because if they don't, there's a very good chance, you know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna see a market bloodbath here that may make 2008 look like a walk through the park. Really, that's what we're looking at. And um, and again, it's not just the U.S. stock market; it's it's world stock markets that drive things. Everything is interconnected these days. Now, on my blog today, I put a uh, an article with a bunch of charts. 
and um, the title is the stock, mar- stock market's having a terrible 2014, and it shows charts of the breakdown of the markets just over the last week or so, especially U.S. markets. And we haven't seen, you know, big moves like this in, in years, actually. The S&P has violated a significant support level at 1775. Uh, and uh, that's a big problem. I said the Dow broke its, its, its support level. Now, uh, the S&P is not uh, that far behind uh, that level and can retake it. But again, the 200-day... Uh, moving average is real important. It's a very, very big red flag, technically. And that's one of the things that most people play in the markets uh, look at. And, uh, you know, look, December, the you know, stock market, I think, picked, picked at 16,600 and something. Uh, and right now it's about 15,400. So it's a you know, pretty big decline in the markets. Now, Sometimes it's healthy for markets to have corrections. But the problem with this market is it never had a correction, any meaningful correction, all the way up. Corrections are healthy. It takes speculation out of the market. But we haven't seen any meaningful correction. So now, you know, it looks like a correction, maybe a crash. Because what happens is profits get so built up in the markets People have 30% profit last year. I have 100% profit you know, over the last three or four years. They're not going to give that back. They lived through 2008, and traders are not going to give it back, nor is uh, mom-and-pop investors. And I got a call from someone today uh, who said, Lou, um, I got a lot of money in, um, in uh, variable annuities. I got a lot of money you know, exposed to the stock market. What should I do? And I said, get as conservative as you possibly can today. Why wait? Obviously, it would have been better if he would have done it last month, but, you know, still, have time. More negative news coming out of Puerto Rico. Have you heard? Um, Most people don't know what's going on in Puerto Rico, but they're having some major financial issues in Puerto Rico. Now, how does that affect us? Well, it affects municipal bond investors in a very big way because Puerto Rican bonds are crashing. And believe it or not, many Americans own Puerto Rican municipal bonds. Why? Well, Puerto Rico is like the 51st state. I mean, they're a protectorate of the United States. I don't know exactly what you call them. And there's been a lot of talk about maybe making them the 51st state. But Puerto Rico's in big trouble. And many people bought their bonds because their bonds had certain advantages to American investors. Puerto Rican bonds are the only bonds that are not only federal tax exempt, but state tax exempt. If you want to buy a municipal bond that's state tax exempt as well, as it has to be issued by your state, a municipality in your state. I live in New Jersey. If I bought a New Jersey municipal bond, I would not pay federal tax on it, and I would not pay state tax on it. But I also could buy a Puerto Rican bond because Congress, in their wisdom someday, years ago, I guess to help Puerto Rico out and incentivize U.S. investors to invest in Puerto Rico made them state tax exempt as well. So many, not only did many individuals buy individual Puerto Rican bonds, but mutual funds 
bought Puerto Rican bonds as well. So if you owe, you own a national uh, municipal bond fund here in the United States, you have exposure to Puerto Rican bonds. Now UBS, uh, who has a lot of Puerto Rican investors, um, if you're an investor in UBS, you better look out because uh, that investment bank's research analyst just dropped the the first shoe on your head, and they said that um, the issue report stated that at least one of the three big rating agencies, Food, Moody's, Fitch, or Standard and Poor's, is going to cut a big chunk of Puerto Rico's debt to junk in the next month, meaning below investment grade. And UBS predicts that the other two agencies are going to quickly follow and do the same thing. Well, the probability of a downgrade of, uh, of Puerto Rico's general obligation uh, bonds by all three rating agencies into non-investment grade category by the end of the June 30th fiscal year is very high, according to a UBS analyst. Now, of course, this warning comes way too late for UBS's retail customers in Puerto Rico, whose portfolios are mostly concentrated in Puerto Rican bonds, and UBS's own closed-end funds comprise largely of Puerto Rican bonds. And these poor folks who have seen their retirement accounts get crushed by 50 to 60% since September of last year. Think about that. You're in bonds that you think are safe, tax-exempt, and you're down 50 to 60% since September. And now you own junk bonds. And UBS has been aware of the problems that Puerto Rico has been having for years. But they nevertheless continue to, to recommend that its clients put all of their nest eggs in UBS's Puerto Rican closed-end bond fund. Banksters. Another example of banksters ripping off the public. This week, the Wall Street Journal reported that Puerto Rico is preparing a debt offering of some $2 billion in the coming weeks. And what Puerto Rico is trying to do is they're trying to demonstrate that it can raise some capital, um, even though they have problems. But the problem is uh, they're going to have to offer these bonds at a 10% interest rate. Well, that sounds attractive, but if they have a chance of going bankrupt, the 10% will likely scare off investors, not attract them. And it will further reduce uh, confidence in Puerto Rico's finances. So Puerto Rico has a problem. Because once these things are downgraded to junk, many uh, pensions or investment firms are precluded from buying non-investment grade bonds. Or even holding them. Some of them may have to sell them and get rid of them. Now again, don't you don't think that you're immune from that if you're a municipal bond investor here in the United States. You don't live in Puerto Rico, as I said before. Almost every national municipal bond mutual fund owns a significant amount of Puerto Rico bonds. And you've probably seen in that asset value of these funds decline. And municipal bonds are going to be the big story uh, this year and next year, not only in Puerto Rico, but in the United States. As municipalities, you know, wrestle with poor finances, poor economics, dealing with union contracts that are bankrupting cities and states in the face of a poor economy. And we're going to see more and more downgrades of municipal bonds in America. And not only that, interest rates rise, which ultimately they will. They're at historic lows right now. 
negative, negative for government bonds, municipal and U.S. treasuries. And add to that the economic woes that these states and cities and towns are having. Uh, municipal bonds, in my opinion, for the most part, are to be avoided. And if you own a big portfolio of municipal bonds, you've got to think about how the new world has changed the safety of what used to be safe investments. All right, time for another break. My name is Lou Scatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician right here on Voice America's business channel. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna? Call him now. It's toll-free. 1-866-472-5790. Or email the show. Here's the address. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. And we do love your emails at lou at thefinancialphysician.com. If you have a comment on the program, something you want me to cover, a personal financial question, please feel free to email me at lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Just give me a few days to get back to you because I can't tell you how much email I get. And if I don't get back to you, send it to me again because it got lost in junk. I mean, it's really, really um, kind of out of control because on the email these days. But uh, do love your emails and uh, visit the blog every day, www.thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, we archive this radio show there. We archive my radio show, uh, my new radio show back at WOBM AM 1160. And, uh, we started that, we came back to WOBM, uh, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, for 12 years, my show, The Financial Physician, was uh, aired on WOBM and it was a top rated program in its time slot each and every week for 12 years. And um, I had to make a decision in August of 2012 whether or not I can continue to do the show because I was doing this show uh, on, on Voice America. Uh, actually, not this show. I was doing a show on XM Satellite Radio, and I was doing a show on uh, WOBM. Now, I don't have sponsors. I should go out there and get some, but I don't. And I 
pay for the time, the radio time. And it just got to be prohibitively expensive to do both a national show on satellite radio and do a local show. Now, the local show uh, had its advantages in that uh, it provided, you know, provided my financial planning firm with uh, untold amounts of clients and business, and uh, and it really changed my life. But I wanted to, uh, you know, take my turn on the national stage and see where that went. And we did the XM Satellite Radio Show for five years. We've been doing this Voice America show for um, half a year right now. And it looks like uh, this show will be coming to an end here on Voice America. Uh, I do the same show on WOBM AM 1160, and you can listen to it live Friday mornings, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time at WOBMAM.com. Uh, or you could just go to my website, thefinancialphysician.com, go to my blog. Uh, I'll have a link to it uh, the next day on Saturday morning, if not on uh, on Friday afternoon, so you can listen to it at your leisure. And I'll have it archived on the, the radio archive section. And the thing about that show uh, is that it, we, we get a lot of phone calls. And, and I want my show to be interactive. And what I learned about... Um, Internet radio is that, especially on the time slot that I'm on, is that most people don't listen to it live. If uh, 60 people or 70 people are listening to this show live right now, it's a lot. But we get thousands of people who, who listen to the show over the course of the week, uh, but they're listening to the archive show, and of course they can't call in. And you know, for 12 years, my show has been interactive. My goal in doing this radio program is to help people. And if they call in with specific questions, I'm going to give them specific answers of what they should do. And that's the way uh, my show has always been. So you'll see, we cover the same stuff. We talk about the same stuff. Uh, but we do get uh, a bunch of callers uh, calling in with specific questions, which all of us probably you know, have the same kind of questions. So join me for uh, at WOBM AM eleven sixty. It's the Jersey Shore's number one AM station, and then we're back. This will be our third week. This coming Friday uh, at ten AM to eleven, or listen to it uh, on the archive section. I think I got a couple more weeks here on, on Voice America, and got to double check when our last last show will be. Now this started a, a big internet. You know, I don't say controversy, but a lot of talking came out on, on a lot of the blogs out there where this um, Harvard economist said he was pulling all his money out of Bank America. And it was about a million dollars. And he explained why. And, um, and, and, and this guy's name is um, Terry Burnham. He's a former Harvard economics professor. He's an author of a number of books. Uh, he's um, a longtime critic of the Federal Reserve. And he argues that the Fed's efforts to strengthen America's banks have perversely weakened them. And he's putting his um, withdrawal slip where his, where his mouth is. And the title of his self-written article is, Is Your Money Safe at the Bank? An economist says no and withdraws his. This is what he wrote. Last week I had over a million dollars in a checking account at Bank of America. Next week I will have 10000 Why am I getting in line to take my money out of Bank of America? Because of Ben Bernanke and Janet Yellen, who officially begins her term as a chairwoman on February 1st. 
before I explain, let me disclose that I've been a stop clock of criticism of the Federal Reserve for half a decade. That's because I believe that when the Fed intervenes in markets, it has two effects, both negative. First, it decreases overall wealth by distorting markets and causing bad investment decisions. Second, the members of the Fed become reverse Robin Hoods as they take from the poor and unsophisticated investors and give it to the rich and politically connected. These effects have been noticed. A Gallup poll taken in the last few days reports that only the richest Americans support the Federal Reserve. Of course, they're getting all the benefits of it. Why do I risk starting a run on a Bank of America? By withdrawing my money and presuming that many fellow deposits will read this and rush to withdraw it too? Because they pay me zero interest. Thus, an even an infinitesimal chance Bank of America will not repay me in full whenever I ask, switches the cost-benefit conclusion from stay to flee. Let me explain. Currently, I receive zero dollars in interest on my million dollars. The reason I had, to, uh, I had the money in Bank of America was to keep it safe. However, however, the potential cost to keeping my money in Bank of America is that the bank may be unwilling or unable to return my money. They will not be able to return my money if, A, many other depositors, like you, get in line before me. Banks today promise everyone that they can have their money back instantaneously, but the bank does not actually have enough money to pay everyone at once because they have lent most of it out to other people, 90% or more. Thus, banks are always at risk for runs when the depositors at the front of the line get their money back, but the depositors at the back of the line do not. Some of the investments of Bank America go bust. That's another way I could lose my money because Bank America has loaned out the vast majority of depositors' money. If even a small percentage of its loans go bust, the firm is at risk for bankruptcy. Leverage, combined with some bad investments, caused the failure of Lehman Brothers in 2008 and would have caused the failure of Bank America, AIG, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, Bear Stearns, and many other more institutions in 2008 had the government not bailed them out. Well, Bear Stearns didn't survive. In recent days, the chances for trouble at Bank of America have become more salient because of woes in emerging markets, particularly Argentina, Turkey, Russia, and China. The emerging market fears caused the Dow Industrial Average to lose more than 500 points over the last week. That was before this week. Returning uh, to my money now entrusted to Bank of America, market turmoil reminded me that this particular trustee is simply not safe. We're not safe enough, given the fact that the safety is the reason I put my money there in the first place. The market turmoil could threaten Bank of America with bankruptcy today as it did in 2008, and as banks have experienced again and again over time. If the chance that Bank of America will not return my money is, say, a mere 1%, then the expected cost to me is 1% of my million. Or $10,000. That far exceeds the interest I receive, which I hardly need to remind depositors out there is a cool zero. Even a one-tenth of one percent chance of loss has an expected cost uh, of me uh, to me of $1,000. 
Bank of America pays me the zero interest rate because the Federal Reserve has set interest rates at zero. That's my incentive to leave at the first whiff of instability. And he goes on. So here you have a guy, million dollars in the bank, saying that uh, it's time to take it out. Now, he didn't tell us where he's going to put it, which is real important. Uh, but the bottom line is pulling the money out of the bank, and so are other people. And I said in this program many times, why would anybody have a lot of money in a bank that pays them nothing? And who is assisting the bank in raping the rest of us with credit cards that charge 29% interest. They pay us zero, and they charge us 29% interest in some cases but high interest in other cases. Why would we give them our money and help them to do that? When we have the risk that the system collapses again and we don't see it. We saw what happened in Cyprus where people lost all the money that they had over 100,000 euros in a bank in the quote-unquote bail-in scenario. And by the way, that is the uh, template for here in the United States the next time the next financial crisis happens. There's not going to be bailouts anymore. There's going to be bail-ins, meaning your money on deposit will be taken, stolen, because of actions of the bank, similar to what happened in the 1930s. Now, you may say that, well, there's FDIC insurance now. 250000 is covered by the bank. Well, uh, that's really not the case. There's $6 trillion dollars in insured deposits in banks, United States right now, six trillion, and it's sixty-five billion dollars at a, at FDIC. So how could sixty-five billion dollars cover six trillion dollars? It's one percent. They can't. And when a first bank goes under, the rest of them go under, and FDIC is gone. Keep. As little money as you need to keep in a bank to pay your bills, to function as a business, if you have a business, and take the rest out. Where you put them, that's, that's your business, where you put that money. If you put it in a shoebox under the, your bed, you're getting the same amount of return that you're getting at the bank. Better yet, Take those worthless dollars, convert them to gold and silver coins, and hold them. And you're going to hear more and more about this. Billionaires are selling stocks. Millionaires are taking money out of the bank. And there's a reason why they're doing it. And we should be doing it, too. All right, I have one more uh, segment left in the program. 866-472-5790 is the call number if you have a question on any money matter. One more segment left. You're listening to The Financial Physician. My name is Lou Scatigna. Don't go away. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The financial physician, your source for straightforward, no nonsense financial advice. Call America's Money Doctor right now. It's toll free. 1 866 472 5790. You can also log on to our website at www.thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou Scatigna. All right, we were talking about um, markets and how volatile they are and. Um, and how risky they are going forward, and what's going on in just the U.S. market, the Japanese market, and and things that are going on there. And um, we'll shift gears a little bit, and wouldn't it be a financial physician radio program if we didn't touch on Obamacare and uh, the disaster that that is, and new things that have come out this week? And the week doesn't go by where something disturbing doesn't come out on Obamacare. And 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 this week, just yesterday. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office delivered a damning assessment of the Affordable Care Act, saying that actually millions of jobs are going to be lost because of it. And according to the director uh, of, of the Congressional Budget Office, it's not for what you think. It's not because uh, employers are not going to hire employees, they're going to fire employees over it. It's that individuals will choose not to work. Why would they do that? Because of subsidies that they'll get if their income is low. They'll get free health insurance. And he said that Obamacare creates a, quote, disincentive for people to work. 
And of course, this added fuel to the to Republican arguments that the law is going to hurt the economy. And um, he was in a hearing today, and he was asked uh, by uh, House Budget Committee Chairman Paul Ryan uh, about the law, and, and his response was, quote, the act creates a disincentive for people to work. And because people don't want to work. And that's the way it is. Why do people want to work when they're given free food to food stamps? Where they're given welfare? Where they're given free health care? insurance so less people work uh, the labor supply uh, the lower labor supply lowers economic growth and uh, Elmendorf said yes that's right that's what he's saying the CBO report on Tuesday effectively found that more people would opt to keep their income low to stay eligible for federal health care subsidies or stay on Medicaid And the workforce changes would mean nationwide losses equal to 2.3 million full-time jobs uh, by 2021. Now, of course, the White House, you know, hit back. The White House said the possible reduction in jobs would be due to voluntary steps by workers rather than businesses cutting jobs. People having the freedom to retire early or spend more time as stay-at-home parents because they no longer had to depend only on their employers for health insurance. The law means people, quote, will be empowered to make choices about their own lives and livelihoods, said White House Press Secretary Jay Carney yesterday. Think about this. Do you hear what the White House is saying? Yes, because we're subsidizing them and they can get health insurance for free and they can make choices not to work and just be stay-home parents. Do you believe this? This is the most damning statement that I've ever heard. comes out the report that the health care law is going to destroy full-time jobs because people are going to not be incentivized to work because of the subsidies that the government gives them for health care, in addition to food stamps and welfare and other things. And the White House thinks this is a good thing. It's, it's mind-blowing. People having the freedom to retire early or spend more time as stay-at-home parents because they no longer had to depend only on their employers for health insurance. They could depend on the nanny state. Law means, quote, people will be empowered to make choices about their own lives and livelihoods. White House Press Secretary Jay Carney, with a straight face, said on Tuesday, how's it like to have that guy's job? Jake Carney. I thought the I thought Gibbs was really bad. I really wanted to punch that guy in the face. To be quite honest with you, I don't like people lying to me right to my face. And press secretaries, especially in this administration, I mean, a press secretary's job is to obviously back the president and give the best spin on things. But these best press secretaries, Gibbs and Carney, I mean, they lie right to our face. 
And we know that. You know they're lying to you, but they figure that, okay, well, yeah, you know, 40% of people know we're lying to them, but the 60% that are ignorant idiots will believe the lie. Joseph Goebbels would be proud of the propaganda wing of the White House. Yeah, we'll lie, but, you know, we'll lie about everything. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your health insurance, your premiums will go down. Benghazi was due to a YouTube video. They don't care. They'll lie straight out every time. And they know that people, the press corps, they know that intelligent people know it's a lie, but they don't care. Because they know the majority of Americans are ill-informed and will believe the lie. And the mainstream media, for the most part, will run with the lie. But for the White House to come out and say that this CBO report is good because now people can make decisions about not working and getting supported by the government and make lifestyle choices about being stay-at-home parents or retiring early is the height of socialism or worse. I couldn't believe I was reading it. I really can't. News today, J.P. Morgan, oh, the head bankster on Wall Street, uh, will pay just $614 million in mortgage settlements. They'll pay $614 million to settle allegations that it misled the government about the quality of some of its mortgages. The Department of Justice in Manhattan and other government agencies that J.P. Morgan said they admitted, acknowledged, and accepted responsibility for submitting false claims to government agencies. According to prosecutors, the bank asked for government-backed insurance and refinancing for thousands of mortgage loans that were not eligible for either. When the quote-unquote defective mortgage loans defaulted, prosecutors said, the government incurred substantial losses. So if a bank submits a loan that is accepted either into either of these programs for insurance or refinancing, then the bank can ask the government to pay associated costs if the loan later defaults. But the government trusts the banks to submit only eligible loans. It does not review the loans before approving them for the programs, according to the Department of Justice. The government also relies on a banksters to self-report which loans might be affected by fraud. So we're trusting these entities on Wall Street that are being busted all the time for fraud. Prosecutors said J.P. Morgan regularly violated both of those rules, failing to self-report some 582 loans that identified as being affected by fraud or other material deficiencies. Sometimes when employers submitted loan data to a government software application and it did not get the loan approved, they'd resubmit the same loans with quote-unquote hypothetical data. Oh, so another big fine for J.P. Morgan. Nobody goes to jail. So far, it's been over $20-something million in the last year. Uh, of fines. Nobody goes to jail, no criminal activity, uh, and uh, they move on and make a billion, pay a hundred million in fines and move on. That's what Wall Street is all about. Oh, and Jamie, and, um, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, got a raise to $20 million. How nice is that? All right, out of time. It goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. I call it the fastest hour in financial talk radio. Remember the website? thefinancialphysician.com my email is lou at thefinancialphysician.com have a wonderful week please join me next Wednesday for the next edition of The Financial Physician have a great week 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 